0: You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Closing out your week here on this Friday, Locked On Syracuse podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Tyler Aki alongside Tim Leonard. As we are with you every single day here, we've got seven days until we're going to be full on previewing this UNC game. For wow. Syracuse to to open up, coming in spot. hot, so that is that's coming up real quick. And, and it, I've just been kind of blindsided by football. I don't know about you. It's been it's kind of hit me like a, a pack of bricks because it just the no preseason, you're not getting as in depth of a look at camps and stuff like that. But alas, here we are. We had a an FBS game last night, and then Syracuse is going to get things going from the Power Five ranks in terms of within the respective conference as well. So that's coming up next week, and we will break down all of that with you here on the show as we get ready for North Carolina and Chapel Hill in a little over a week from today. Be sure to check out the show on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. Today on the show, we're going to... Continue our positional previews, and today we're going to take an entire unit, that being the the special teams part, the third phase of the game. So we will break down that, and then we're also going to, as part of our burning question series, our ten burning questions heading into this 2020 season for Syracuse football. We're going to take a look at the projected two deep d- depth chart. So that's supposed to come out on Monday, and Tim and I are going to take a stab at it, see where we're right, where we're wrong. And take a look back on it on Monday. So let's just start with this. Uh, on the special team side of things, you've got a lot of familiarity for the most part. I mean, you look at pretty much top to bottom, everyone coming back. But there's one notable guy missing, and that's, of course, Sterling Hoffrichter, who has since moved on to the NFL. And James Williams is going to be the newbie in there. But special teams really has been the unit that has helped this orange team and maybe even masked some of their deficiencies on offense or defense at times because of how good they've been these past couple of years.
0: Yeah. Punter is never flashy. Well, I guess unless you're Riley Dixon, maybe that he was pretty flashy at times, but in general, punter is not talked about and not can be written about a lot. And I think most educated football fans understand the value of, of a punter, and the value of having literally one of the best punters in the country in Sterling Hoffrichter, it was very, very critical at times last year. I think back to the Clemson game, because he kind of put on a clinic in that game, and Syracuse still lost eventually by a ton, but they hung in there. And he kind of
1: detailed that a little bit with us when he came on the show, too, about his... Everything that goes into it as well. So if you missed that, we we did this back in what, like April? We had Sterling on the show, May maybe. Yeah, he was awesome. If you want to, if you missed that, just search for Sterling Hoffrichter in your podcast feed and you'll find our, our interview with him. Or if you want to really scroll through the archives of the Locked on Syracuse <laughs> podcast, you can find him that way as well.
0: Yeah. So obviously wish him the best in the NFL. And I think he's going to be a mainstay in the NFL. Probably a little bit of orange bias there. But I do think that. You got he, your
1: Yeah, you got your orange glasses yeah, on. There, yeah, yeah. But it I that. mean.
0: Come on, like Riley Dixon did good. No, yeah, you know? no, I
1: definitely think he's he's going to he's going to have a, a nice long career. Yeah, for sure. we
0: can root for our guy. So anyway, I do think when you look at Syracuse football this year from sort of a broader sense, and you just look at the roster and you think who did they lose? Who are the biggest question marks now? You're probably not going to see like you know in the write ups in some of those college football magazines where it puts who's gone and then the little colon, and then you got like five or six key players that left. For Syracuse, right. that's probably going to be like Tristan Jackson, maybe a Sean Riley, Kendall, Coleman, Kendall, yeah, Alton Elton Robinson, Robinson yeah. for sure. You're not going to see Sterling Hoffrichter there, but he probably should be one of those names, right? Because it's so valuable what he did from a field position standpoint and a possession standpoint, and just like, giving Syracuse that added advantage. I mean, the fact that they were that good in special teams last year and still didn't really do anything in the conference play until the Duke game, essentially, and after they finally made some adjustments, they finished with five wins after beating Duke and Wake. But they only won five games, and they had one of the best special team units in the country. That's kind of concerning because special teams, to me, is often undervalued.
1: Right, and, and the thing about it, too, with losing a guy like Sterling, and again, everyone wants to make out Syracuse, punter you, it's a string of two. When you look at a school yeah. like Georgia, who's running back you, or LSU slash Ohio State always clamoring for the DBU, there's a history that goes back decades for that for them to claim that. And while Syracuse, they have filtered in a number of good punters, when you look at Riley Dixon and Sterling Hoffrichter, and hopefully that legacy continues with a guy like James Williams, who will likely slot into that spot, but you're looking at a sample size of two, really. So let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on, okay, Syracuse can just cycle in whoever they want and they're going to be a great punter. And again, James Williams might do that. I'm not saying he can't be, but to just think there's not going to be some sort of drop-off, at least a little bit, I think is a little naive. And James Williams really has a lot of pressure on him this year, and especially as a true freshman, because I think both you and I are under the assumption that he is going to be the starting punter. I know the spring depth chart, it came out with Nolan Cooney, but that, of course, is because James Williams isn't on campus, so he can't be a part of that spring depth chart. So I think it's going to be a real challenge because, and again, the the same thing was hoisted upon Sterling Hoffrichter's shoulders when he got to Syracuse too. So it's tough in that regard, but he lived up to the challenge. Can James Williams be next? Can he live up to that challenge? Because Syracuse is going to need it. They're going to need a really quality special teams unit if they want to play a, a 500 level of ball in the conference slate.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a little concerned I, I would say not so much about James Williams' just general career at Syracuse because again, technically he is a five star recruit if you go off of how Coles ranks which is obviously Coles is a service that does special teams guys and yeah, I think just punters kickers, kickers punters, long snappers, yeah. all that. So it's Kind of misleading to say that Syracuse has a five-star punter coming in, but it is also technically the truth. I mean, he is one of the best at that position, and Syracuse got him. So there's something to be said about that. I think he will slide in rather nicely. But we talked to Sterling Hofrichter about how he learned so much under Riley Dixon, and he had that sort of gap year where I believe he did redshirt, and he didn't really see the field because Dixon was still wrapping up his uh, final season in Syracuse. And unfortunately, Williams does not really get that from Sterling Hoffrichter, so there's no passing the baton, or there's no nothing to maybe ease that transition. So there could be some growing pains, and I wouldn't say that would be out of the realm of possibility. Even though this is a very talented punter that Syracuse has coming in, I think outside of that, when you look at the returners, I feel very confident in the rest of the special teams unit, and I still feel very confident in the scheme and the coaching that they have in place because we've seen it now with different personnel for the most part. When you're talking about recovery or return defense and coverage and that variety, it seems like they shifted a lot of personnel last year and they still got good success when a lot of the rest of the football team did not get the same amount of success with the lack of continuity at some positions. So I feel good about the special team scheme and everything. The punter, there might be a slight drop-off this year, and that's not to say that I don't like James Williams.
1: So when we look at, again, we're going to go through our entire depth chart, but let's just do the special teams. We'll lump lump them in right here. Yeah. Kickoff specialist, Nolan Cooney, I don't think that's going to change. Place kicker, obviously, Andre Schmidt. I'm expecting a lot of the same, a lot of consistency out of him. I'm not too worried about the place-kicking unit. He's a a former Groza winner, so I'm definitely not too up in arms or or panicking about that. James Williams, I think we're both in agreement as the punter, long snapper Aaron Bolinski, and then Nolan Cooney will also do the holding. I'm not too worried about any of that top to bottom. Nope. Again, James Williams is just a question mark. It's not necessarily a bad thing to be a question mark. It's just, let's call it what it is. It's a question mark. We've, we've never seen him take a collegiate punt. He's never seen him take a collegiate punt. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that and see if he can live up to that five-star billing. And then I think the interesting part here is the kick return and punt return game because you are losing a little something when Sean Riley is gone from this squad, but you also have a sense of familiarity back there. We've seen Nikeem Johnson return. We've seen Trill Williams return a little bit. And now that they're going to be moving into a full-time role, and I'm assuming the second string or or the, the guy that's going to be alongside Nikeem on kickoffs, and, and even to a degree we've seen it on punts as well, where Syracuse will roll out with two returners. Yeah. I'm guessing it's going to be Jawar Jordan, and Same. I like that. I think he's the prototypical sort of return man that can maybe make a couple big plays happen and maybe get you an extra 20, 30 yards on some returns as opposed to settling for touchbacks.
0: Yeah, he's probably the best return man they have. Maybe, maybe Trill, actually. I think Trill will definitely be the I, would, yeah, best I would returning. Say
1: right now it's probably Trill, but I would probably say Jawar's two.
0: Yeah. And again, we're going to get into the depth chart here. As you mentioned a second on the running back side of things, we've talked about how I would say my gut right now says that Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard are opting out of the season. I really hope that's not the case, of course, not. I mean, if they make that decision, they have all the power to make that decision. I'm not going to hold it against them or anything. It's just from a selfish fan perspective. I hope that It's not Jawar Jordan, and Mackenzie Pierre is the only kind of backs there that we have any sort of familiarity with in the running back position, but that could be the case. And then the question mark becomes, how much do you really want Jawar Jordan returning if he becomes instrumental in your offense and he's burning a lot of energy just running up and down the field offensively on most of those series? So that's a question mark maybe. Maybe some people would make the case that He shouldn't be back there if he's going to be such an integral part of the offense going forward.
1: That doesn't worry me as much just because of the fact that, again, it's so you don't just have return specialists like you do see in the NFL. So I I just think that that's just part of the game. And I I I think they'll be fine with it no matter what. All right. Coming up next, we're going to project our two deeps at the depth chart for Syracuse on offense and defense. That's coming up in just a little bit. But first, Tim, we got to tell everyone about our favorite way to reward ourselves for a workout. That is with the help from our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, and it's super, super healthy for you as well. Lose or maintain your weight while indulging in this delicious treat. And they've just got so many flavors, Tim. That That's my favorite part is, hey, you're in a little bit of a, a fruit and chocolate mood? All right, you can go with an orange or a raspberry. Or you just want like a, a classic sort of protein-style post-workout snack? Go with a, a peanut butter brownie or or go with just the regular peanut butter. There's so many flavors of this, and I cannot wait to get my hands on some more Built Bars because they're, they're in the mail for us, Tim. They're on the way. Yes. West.
0: They're coming soon, and I'm eagerly waiting for it. You're right on the flavors, though. I don't know how they come up with some of these. And honestly, they've got to have like over 30 flavors by this point because every time we check the website to order a new box, it's boom, try six more new flavors. So if you're in the market for literally a candy bar that is somehow healthy for you and somehow tastes amazing at the same time, then go to BuiltBar.com. Cannot recommend it enough.
1: Yeah, it it doesn't make sense to me how how they do this, but they do it every single time. Built Bar always hits the spot, and right now, you as well can get your hands on some delicious Built Bars. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your next order. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your next order. All right, so we're at that. in the offseason now where we can start to get into the nitty-gritty and go in on the two deeps on how this Syracuse depth chart is going to shake out. I've seen a couple depth charts start to float across the internet, and we're going to give you ours right now here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. So I guess we'll go position group by position group going down the line, and we'll start at quarterback. I don't think this will be any surprises here or any discrepancies between the two of us, but on the depth chart that we're going to see on Monday, and again, this isn't necessarily the depth chart that is going to last for the entirety of the season. I We're just projecting what we're expecting to yeah. see Monday. So at quarterback, I'm going to go Tommy DeVito as the incumbent starter and then Rex Culpepper as the backup.
0: Yep, I agree. I will say it would not shock me if there's an or next to Rex Culpepper and you see maybe Dylan Markowitz there. Wouldn't shock me. Okay. That's all I'll say. Just based on the scrimmage notes and how we talked about yesterday, how they were cycling in the second-string spot, and like you said, I mean, Culpepper does have experience, but it's not by that much compared to the other guys.
1: Right. Only one full game under his belt, and only one pass attempt since that last start. All right. We'll go to the running backs here. I think this is where things could get a little bit messy. I don't know if we're going to have any clarity on the situation with Abdul Adams or Jarvion Howard. That's been floating about of whether or not they are going to be playing this season, but... Let's just, for the sake of the exercise and the timing of what we're doing right now, I'm going to throw a couple or designations out there. I'm going Abdul Adams or Markenzie Pierre, and then Jarvion Howard or Jawar Jordan.
0: Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen, unfortunately. Knowing Syracuse's history, I feel like they'll sort of push that back, and if anything, it also keeps UNC guessing a little bit, too, as to who the running backs are. But I would like the clarity. I mean, if these guys are sitting out the season and you know it on Monday for sure, I think you should probably just tell us, I would say. But, yeah, I mean, if it's not Adams and Howard, if they opt out, Pierre is probably going to be listed ahead of Jordan. And we'll see what Markenzie Pierre's got.
1: So, yeah, I think I feel like, too, with the running back situation as well, you're going to be, I think you're right. There might be a little art of disguise. I also think they know. They know they by know. now. The coaching yeah. staff probably knows by now whether or not these guys are in or they're out. All right, we'll go wide receivers here again. Three listed on the depth chart. My starters, Taj Harris, Ed Hendricks, Nikeem Johnson. My Same. backups. Behind Taj, I've got Anthony Quealy. Behind Ed, I've got a little bit of a wild card for you here. Because remember, okay. we saw some transfers over the offseason. season. But I'm going to go with the freshman, Justin Barron. Oh, I like it. him. Another another big-bodied guy on the outside. He's going to be behind Ed Hendricks. And then my backup behind Nikeem Johnson is Courtney Jackson.
0: Yeah, Courtney Jackson we have not shouted out much on this podcast, but another one of my personal favorites. I had Sherrod Johnson behind Ed Hendricks instead of Barron, okay. but I, I do like the Barron thing, and he did and catch a touchdown seen- in that scrimmage apparently.
1: We've seen freshman receivers get chances yes. with Dino Babers, when we saw it with Taj Harris and, and Justin Barron again because of the way that the numbers are shaking out and the fact that I mean he's a 6'4 body on the outside. If he's ready to go, I think he's going to get an opportunity. So Yeah. I think so that's our first discrepancy of of the group. But Slight I think one there, there's cuz I do love Barron could, too. Yeah. We could see Barron on that that too deep. All right. We'll go to tight end here. I've got Aaron Hackett and Chris Elmore. Now, I say Chris Elmore, but we we also know Chris Elmore is going to kind of play that fullback type Leap of role blocker. for Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. So, he gets his his snaps on offense that way, but don't I who's going to catch more passes? Luke Benson or Chris Elmore? Obviously, it's going to be Luke Benson this year, but I'm going to go Aaron Hackett and Chris Elmore as what we're going to see on the on the depth chart. I don't think that's going to reflect the number of productive offensive snaps in terms of pass catching though
0: yeah and hopefully they don't put chris elmore out wide i know that's a a personal pet (laughs) peeve of yours you've you've gotten great 11 offense Mm -hmm. yeah 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 no i agree i totally i think benson will actually be the second string but they'll put elmore
1: all right, now we move to the offensive line, and this, this is where we're going to see yeah. a <laughs> lot of ores. all right? Right. So I guess we'll start with the guys who we think are going to be the starters on this team. Left tackle, Aaron Service. Left guard, Dakota Davis. Center, Carlos Vettorello. Right guard, Darius Tisdale. Right tackle, uh, Matthew Bergeron is what
0: yep. I got. That's exactly and, what I have. I Obviously, if Bleich's waiver gets passed, he would... Probably be either left guard or right guard. I'd be curious to see where it is.
1: I would guess he's probably going to slide into the right guard.
0: That'd be my guess, too. Because um, I think the coaching Tisdale. staff
1: likes Dakota Davis a lot, yes. Yeah, And, and you can have that the... flexibility with Tisdale to move him around. And again, who knows what the injury situation is like, too. We're going to see a lot of oars on the offensive line. Yes. Now, yeah. my backups that I've got, I've got left tackle Anthony Red. Left guard Patrick Davis, center Josh Aloa, right guard Will Fromey, and right tackle Mark Petrie. That's so, exactly what I have. Yeah. I'm- and again, we see those names. We gave you 10 names. There's probably going to be 13 or 14 that we will see on the, the offensive line given the, the or designations that will come into play as as you and I both imagine.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is, we probably won't see two names on the depth chart because they're injured. We, we do know that there are multiple injuries, so maybe it's two, maybe it's more, maybe Dino misspoke and it's less, who knows the extent of each injury, but there's a chance that we don't see, say, Matthew Bergeron on the depth chart because he's hurt, and I'm not picking that name for any particular reason. I'm just saying that as a chance. I think once this depth chart comes out, on Monday, my eyes are going right to offensive line. And that's yep. when I'll be most curious about. And the other thing... Yeah,
1: I'm looking running back and offensive line.
0: Yeah, that's a good good point. The other thing is we did not mention Kadir White there. And I sincerely hope that he is on the two deep and his name is mentioned. I did not or, put it down. Or to a
1: degree, a three deep, too. Yeah, if, when if they do the, an or, the ors And everything.
0: Right. I, I just hope I see his name, period. Because... It's getting kind of ridiculous if on an offensive line that A, we know has injuries, B, we know probably won't have Chris Bletch's name on it, assuming things change. I mean, all this is, we're speculating on, things could change here. But, and then C, it's not a good offensive line and we're worried about it. And you're telling me the four-star guy that was supposed to be one of our mainstays at the tackle spot is still not going to be on there and what is this now, his third year with the program it would be? So I, I'm just saying. Fourth, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe even more, yeah. I'd lose track. But I really, really hope we see his name, and that's not a good sign, again, if his name is not mentioned on Monday.
1: Right, because remember, one of the things Dino tried to do right out of the gate with this offensive line when he got here and, and in recruiting was to build up something strong. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but when you think about he thought he was going to have Tyrone Sampson for four years and then Kadir White and those were going to be two guys that could anchor your offensive line you were looking at a couple of four-star guys who could have made an impact for you and you get the absolutely shocking news on signing day that Tyrone Sampson is reopening his recruitment and then you've got Kadir White who just has not seen the field really I think he's gotten a couple special team snaps but I can't really remember seeing him out there very much and It's just been frustrating because this offensive line was something that when Dino got here, okay, you got someone to protect Tommy DeVito. You got a couple guys to protect Tommy DeVito and also opening up some running lanes for some of these guys that you could just filter in and out. And it has not played out that way. And the offensive line, obviously very frustrating last year. Did get a little bit better towards the end of the year, but I still think there's cause for concern Moving forward with that unit. Anything else you want to note from the offense before we move into defense?
0: No, I, I do think we're probably going to be off on the offensive line. It's going to look totally different, but that's because of the injuries, and we can't guess who's injured. It's just it's meaningless right. to just throw names at at that guess. So um, don't you know be upset at us if those ten guys are different? It's just that's what we know right now.
1: Or be upset at us. That's yeah. I clear. don't really care actually. Just, yeah. <laughs> tweet tweet your frustrations. All right. Coming up next, defense, I think we might have a little bit of uh, some shuffling that we we might not be expecting, and there might be some disagreements between the two of us. So we will get into the defensive side of the ball for this two-deep Syracuse depth chart coming up next. All right, wrapping it up here on this Friday, and we're doing our two deep depth charts. And if you've got yours, feel free to tweet it at us, at LO underscore Syracuse, and we'll try to give you what we, we're giving you what we think right now, but we also want to hear what you think this depth chart could look like. And you can just screenshot your notes and send it to us, or or you can type it out, or at least some of the controversial positions, you can give your two cents at us, at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. All right. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball here, I think we'll we'll just go level by level, and start with the defensive line because I think this is where we've got the most flu or the most concrete got in terms of we know who is going to be on that defensive line for Syracuse at least from a starter's perspective, especially yeah. with some of the the news and quotes that we've seen filter out these past couple of days. But we'll start here, my. Two defensive ends I've got for you. I've got Kingsley Jonathan on one end, Josh Black on the other, and then you've got the Bear McKinley-Williams in the middle. Any discrepancies nope. that you'd like to put forth? Okay.
0: Now, so, I'd be shocked. And then, I mean, barring an opt-out if, or an injury that we don't know of, if that is not how it lines up starter-wise. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And then behind Kingsley, I've got Zach Morton, behind uh, Josh Black, Drew Tuazama, and then Curtis Harper, the backup to McKinley-Williams.
0: I I'm predicting Cody Roscoe behind Kingsley okay. at, the, at the other defensive end, but I see Zach Morton and I think there's been some good words about him in camp. I'm maybe just kind of letting my optimism shine through because I hope that Roscoe as a senior can work his way onto that depth chart or else it's kind of like, you know, what, what are we going to get out of him in his time at Syracuse?
1: Alright, so now we move on to the linebackers, and this is where things might get a little dicey based on some of the quotes that we've seen come out over these past couple of days, but my weak side linebacker, I'm going to go Michael Jones, and I'm going to put an or designation of Tyrell Richards in there as well, because I think there is a chance that um, Richards could be the starter for this team, and we just don't know. Again, opt-outs, injuries. We've heard from the other day that Michael Jones has been practicing at the weak side linebacker, when in reality, we thought we were going to see him at the middle linebacker spot, the Mike linebacker. But Michael says that, no, actually, Jeff Canton-Arku has been given the, the majority of the snaps there lately. And so I'm going to put Jeff Canton at, at my middle linebacker and then Steve Linton on the strong side.
0: I have the same thing as you, and that's another one I'm very curious about because you look at it and you think, okay, why is Michael Jones practicing at the weak side? I really feel like Tyrell Richards is perfect for the weak side linebacker position because, again, from what we've seen in this three-three-five defense in the past, the weak side linebacker is the most one-on-one blitzing opportunities, the most free lanes to get to the quarterback. Tyrell Richards, in my eyes, is the most proven as a third down blitzer, as a pass rusher in this defense for Syracuse. It worries me a little bit. This is total speculation. Don't want anyone to take this and run with it, but maybe Jones is practicing there because Richard opted out. This is We're talking here on Thursday afternoon. We could get more clarity on this. Obviously, when the depth chart comes out on Monday, hopefully we get more clarity. What we know is that one projected starter was reported, two key reserves, so... If you're operating that the running backs, meaning Howard and Adams, will be out, I guess that means that probably not Richards, because he is a projected starter, but I was very surprised that Michael Jones is practicing at the weak side linebacker position.
1: Yeah. So my backups that I've got as well, I'm going to go Stephon Thompson as the the middle linebacker, and then Lee Koba on the strong side.
0: Yeah, I have... uh, Anwar Sparrow, but I think Thompson will also be in the discussion. So, not a huge. Uh, that, that was just kind of me like guessing there. I think that one will be interesting. Yeah, that's going to gonna
1: be a well. bit of an enigma, I think, just because of the fact that like Sparrow is, is a good pick, I think. It's just the thing that left me with a little bit of worry of putting him right there is the fact that he was a guy who committed, what was it, in like May or June, super yeah, it was late. late in the process. Yeah. So that kind of gives me a little bit of pause before I want to put him on a two deep depth chart for a season that's starting in about a week. Right. Um, but but outside of that, I mean, he very well could be the guy. And I've seen his name out there as a guy who's going to be a, a backup linebacker uh, on, on a two deep. So let's move to the cornerbacks now. And I th- I'm pretty concrete in who I've got at, at the starting spots. I, I like Iffy. Ifatum fanu on one, and then Trill Williams at the other. And then my backup, I've got Adrian Cole on one side and Garrett Williams, the, I believe, redshirt freshman who will be getting his shots um, behind Trill Williams.
0: Yeah, I've been hearing some good things about Garrett Williams, too. I, I thought we might have some disagreements there, but we did not. That is exactly how I have it lined up. Trill, of course, there's been a lot of talk that they're trying to find out where to play him in the offseason because he's such a great piece, and they want to know if they should play him all over the defense, if they should stick him to one position. I think the latest report was that he would just play one position. He was listed on the spring depth chart as a cornerback. I would lean that way, but again, another one on Monday that could go... I wouldn't be surprised if it's trail at rover, trail at safety maybe. I mean, nothing would shock me about where he would line up in the defensive back unit.
1: And that's what's so... Interesting. And what makes him such an asset for the Syracuse program is the fact that he is so versatile. And think about this way, too. What if Adrian Cole is playing really well in camp and you want to give him a shot? Or what if Garrett Williams has wowed you to the degree that, okay, I think he can be a starting cornerback? then maybe you're like, all right, well, why don't we line up Trill Williams and put him in the same defensive backfield with Andre Cisco in terms of the, the whole safety units. Sounds
0: pretty and good. And then you
1: really got something going back there. and it, But that only works if you're confident that one of those other guys can step in and be a starter right away. Because guess what? Sam Howell, if he sees a, a first-timer out there, he's going to be yeah. picking on him all day long week one when UNC hosts the Orange. So that's that's what I give pause to. And maybe this is a game-by-game game thing. And we can talk about this more when we eventually get to our defensive backs of who we're going to preview. But I, I this could be a game-by-game game thing where we're seeing Trill, depending on the matchup, he could maybe move around positions.
0: Totally. And we'll do defensive backs on Monday, so you won't have to wait too much longer for yep. all that discussion, too.
1: Absolutely. All right. Next, we've got the safety positions in the rover. So I've got my boundary safety is Eric Coley, and he's backed up by Cam Jonas. And then Neil Nunn at my free safety spot with Ben Labros, the freshman, backing him up. And then Andre Sisco, the rover, because I saw this the other day that um, Eric Coley and Andre Cisco actually had flipped spots. In practice, so yeah. they're going to put Cisco at the rover. It seems like, and then I've got Cam Jonas also backing him up at that rover spot. And just based on that, and, and remember, you kind of hinted at this the other day too, when Dino said he feels really good at the rover spot. Well, he does. Andre Cisco would make you feel really good. So I'm I'm going to stick Cisco in at the rover.
0: Yeah, I was I was surprised when they initially said. Andre Sisko at Rover, but I've thought about it a little bit more. I do think it makes sense. The only disagreement I have with you, and it's not even really a disagreement, instead of putting Cam Jonas twice, I put Smurf Greenwood as the backup Rover. Okay. Or Amon Greenwood, because I think Mm -hmm. he was listed as a starter on the original depth chart. So I I find it hard to believe he won't be named at all unless, again, he's injured or opted out or something of that variety.
1: Alright, so that's our two deep depth charts across the board offense defense special teams feel free to tweet your projections at us at lo underscore syracuse and we can all kind of compare notes when we finally see the finished product that dino babers gives for us on monday because he has to put it out Monday (laughs) and and no more waiting game. And and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how all of that shapes up. So next week we're going to continue our positional previews and we're also going to dive into some UNC coverage as well. So just to kind of give you guys a little roadmap for you. Defensive backs, like you just mentioned, Tim, are going to be on Monday. We're going to get into pass catchers, so wide receivers and tight ends. That is going to come up on Tuesday, and then we're going to break down the offensive line on Wednesday, a position that we will Saving hopefully have more clarity for. <laughs> so yes. keep an eye out for that. And then on Monday, we're also going to take a look at our burning question. Our next burning question is going to be, who will imp- which freshmen can be impact guys for the Orange in 2020 so yeah. be on the lookout for that because we see it every year there's one or two guys that really step up and are significant contributors to this team even though it's just their first season and again that list might be a little bit shorter this year because of the nature of what's going on with the off seasons and, and all that stuff so yeah. we will want to mention you in on all thing, of that as well
0: yeah one thing before we sign off for the week And this is coming out, if you're listening to this on Friday, coming out today. Umari Hatcher, a very, very talented wide receiver, is set to announce his decision today. We've been kind of dedicating a lot of time to the positional previews this week, so haven't been able to talk about this. But really, really good offer sheet. Penn State, UNC, UVA, Syracuse has made his final five. And I hope that maybe you've already heard this decision by the time you're hearing me speak here. But it's looking pretty good. Fingers crossed, because three crystal balls, two Syracuse, a six-three wide receiver that could be. What about a big, is
1: Fawn one of them?
0: I don't Do we have think a Welfon yet. I know Cone, no. Brian Cone was one of them. Again, I, I really hope I'm not just jinxing this, and someone is listening right now, and he already spurned. Oh, you're Syracuse. gonna get axed. Yeah, you're gonna that, get that, absolutely axed. I might axed just not show up on Monday if that's <laughs> the case, but. Uh looking good for Amari Hatcher. So keep an eye out for that. On Friday, we'll definitely tweet about it at L O underscore Syracuse as well.
1: Yeah. So we will yeah, we'll we'll try to squeeze in some other things next week as well. I know everyone's gonna be all juiced up for football, and so are we. So we're gonna we're gonna give you everything football next week, but we're also going to keep an eye on some of that stuff, and also Elijah Hughes sneaking into some first rounds of some mock drafts as well. Yeah, so Number we're probably going to have to talk about that at some point. Yeah, that's where I saw him on the Athletic, 27th to the Knicks. So anyone out there who is somehow still a Knicks fan, um, you might be getting <laughs> Elijah Hughes. So, all right, that's going to do it for us here on this Friday. Hope you all have a great weekend, and we will talk to you with a full UNC week preview starting next week.